Welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. It's kind of interesting because you wouldn't think it would happen too much in baseball, but it actually happens a lot in that you get guys that come out and have just an unbelievable single season, and then they just never touch that plateau again. And what's even more interesting is a lot of them do it in their rookie season. Now, granted, for a lot of these guys, I think injuries kind of play a part in this but it is interesting how like you have these guys win the rookie of the year and then they just vanish into obscurity after that and and you know the natural thing to think about that now when you say that is that well the league figured them out right so if you're a hitter the league figured out how to get you but how did you not figure the guy out the entire season when he had this season that was unlike any other season he had exactly like like you're gonna really tell me that somehow the entire league in the course of the offseason all of a sudden they're like oh okay that's what we need to do to get that's the notes around okay we got how to pick this guy yeah exactly like my guess is that it's 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 more likely that either in a lot of these cases it, it could be something like that like the guy had some kind of obvious like oh he just actually can't hit a curveball so we just have to only throw them curveballs. Like I could see that happening for some hitters or like guys realize like, oh, OK, that pitcher that had that really nasty pitch, he can't actually throw it for a strike. I don't know if he's on your list. He's not on my list, but Rick Ankeel would kind of qualify almost as one of these guys. But the problem for Ankeel is he came back and had solid right. seasons at other positions. Right, so he's right. like, like the thing with a one season wonder is you really had to have just that one unbelievable year and we're, we're going to try there's a couple guys i think that'll come up throughout this as we're going to start going through the names here that you know you could argue that you know they did have another good year or two somewhere in their career but it was never like what they did so i, I kind of want to start off with like one of the more obvious examples because everybody knows him because he was such a character and that was mark fidrich the bird the bird i mean unbelievable rookie season 19 and 9 234 year i think he started the all-star game Won the rookie of the year. I mean, and he was such a guy, like, 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 he's the kind of person that was such a character. People talked about him all the time because he was talking to the ball on the mound. He was weird. Yeah, yeah. He would say things to the ball like, okay, you're going to go to your spot right now. You know, like, like out, outwardly talking to the ball on the mound. Who knows what the players thought he was, you know, he was doing. That. And Fidrich, it's like, I, I feel a little cheap including him as the first guy because injuries were such a derailment to his career. But it wasn't like he was ever effective in any of, like, the other starts that he had. It wasn't like he was showing flashes in the pan and injuries were just keeping him from competing. It didn't really seem like that. Yeah, yeah. And he – I didn't look at his career war, but he didn't pitch long enough really to have – He only pitched 27 more games over the next four seasons before he retired just because he couldn't handle it due to injuries. So so my guy I'm going to go with first – is a guy we talked about before, and I, I noticed that his career war is 32-3, which is pretty good. Actually, yeah, it's not bad, but it's the kind of thing where, like, one really good season and a bunch of accumulation will get you up there. Well, and, and it's interesting, and I think this will be a theme also. A lot of these seasons, I noticed, and some of the guys we're going to talk about, happened around 2000. There's a lot of guys right in that, like, 1990 to 2000, there were a ton of these. And so there's there were things going on at that time hmm. in baseball that – I wonder know, what – so, um, you know, Darren Erstad uh, had a season in, in the year 2000 for Anaheim, uh, and that was two years before they went to the World Series. He had 240 hits, which is by far the most hits by a major leaguer in, in a very long time. 
uh, and he had a 951 ops. He hit 25 homers. Darren Erstad never hit more than 19 homers in any other season. He had 100 RBIs. He had 28 steals. He never had a season like that again. The guy had an unbelievable career. But, like, there's a lot of unbelievable seasons. But there are a a bunch of guys like that. Like, how many catchers in the history of the major leagues do you think have hit 300 and hit 30 home runs in the same season? Boy, there aren't very many that I can think of. Besides Yogi Berra might have done it a couple of times. Piazza might have done it. Piazza, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's four. Okay. Now, I don't know all of them, but I know one of them. And I know you will not guess his name. Rick Wilkins. Rick Wilkins. Chicago Cubs catcher in 93 hit 303 and 30 home runs. He only had one more double-digit home run the rest of his season, the rest of his career, and he never got close to 300 again. You know, I, I remember the player being associated with the Cubs, but you're right. I never would have got never this guy. Guessed never. That. Like, who was this guy? He just had one unbelievable season. Obviously, the prime example from the 90s, if you think about like having that one wild season, is Brady Anderson. Right. I think he's the one that I always think of because he hit those 50 home runs and never – what was the most he had aside from the 50? 21. Really? No, the, the 21 in the previous eight seasons was the highest he had ever had. Right. 24 was the highest after that point. Right. 50. So he had twice as many, more than twice as many home runs in his best season. That's just where, what season, what year was that? That was the 1996 season. He hit 297, drove in 110, hit 50 homers. So that's kind of at the beginning of when. And of course, what immediately followed that season, a bunch of accusations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Didn't, didn't, and he just killed the ball. I mean, he had a lot of home runs early in the season. So I think he is one of those sort of poster children for, you know, having that, that season that, you know, you could never understand. And then like, but then even then there are still interesting guys. Like, would you believe there was a pirate second baseman in 1999 that as a rookie worked his way into the lineup, batted 288, hit 15 homers, 20 doubles, and 73 RBIs. He was out of the majors five years later. And this player? Warren Morris. Warren Morris. I would not have gotten He had 11 RBIs the rest of his career. (laughs) So what happened that year? Like, think about that. He had an unbelievable rookie season and then just gone. So, you know, for Yankee fans, uh, and you just mentioned the name Kevin Moss, and you think, oh, yeah, I remember that 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 one year. And it wasn't even a, a full season. Kevin Moss came up in, in the middle of the season and hit 28 home runs. 28 home runs. Uh, excuse me, 23 home runs for the Yankees in, uh, in, in 91. Uh, and, and he had 20, excuse me, 21 in 90 and 23 in 91. And he came up and he hit 252 and he thought in, in 90 that he was going to be this big star. He was the guy that was going to sort of, you know, take over hitting down the and. and he he only played 79 games and had 21 home runs that season. Okay. And he played 148 games the next year and he had 23 home runs and he batted 220. And yeah, that was kind of it. Cause after that he, he batted 248 and hit 11 homers in 98 games. He hit 205 and he was out of the league five years is all he lasted in the major. It's, it's wild that you could come up that insanely hot and then just gone. So they were talking about him being like the next Mattingly basically. Right, right. He was, he was that well thought of. And I mean, even the year before, there was another rookie of the year winner in Jerome Walton of, of the Cubs. I, I remember that that season for Jerome Walton, and he was going to be a star. And then he was just a middling player yeah. at best and retired about nine years later. Um, so one of the great rookie years of all time, um, and I'm not looking at which year it was. I'll think, I'll think of a second. I think it was in that late 70, might, might have been 79. And he was an exciting player that season for the Cleveland Indians, uh, and it was uh, 1980, Joe Charbonneau 
go Joe Charbonneau and the Indians fans. And the Indians were not very good at this. No, time. so it was, I'm Having sure a player like a him. rookie like that. So he won the rookie of the year. He had 23 homers. He drove in 87, batted 289, had an 846 ops. And yeah, that he only played three years, only played 48 games the next year, 22 the next year, all for Cleveland out of baseball. Done. Injuries. So, and, and just, you know, and they, they figured him out also. He just couldn't, couldn't get back to the now, level he needed to be. It wasn't all bad for him. He did manage to, you know, make another piece of baseball history by appearing as an extra in the natural. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. So we, we talk about um, Fernando Tatis Jr., but it was his dad, Fernando Tatis Sr., who had just like and okay. one of the most wild seasons. So, so I, I always thought the most notable thing about Tati Senior was him hitting two uh, grand slams in the same inning. Mm-hmm. Okay, certainly a weird thing to happen, and and, and something very special to remember. Um, and in in uh, nineteen 19- that, that same season, right in that same season, nineteen ninety nine. And so here it is again, like around the same time. Hmm. So he has uh, one hundred and seven RBIs, thirty four homers. He bats two ninety eight. 957 ops. Okay. You have to look at his career numbers because he played 11, 11, yeah. 11 years. He batted 265 for his career. He never had more than 18 home runs in any other season, never had more than 64 RBIs in any other season. Just that one season for the Cardinals, he went nuts. And it's weird that there were two guys in the same division in the same year that did that because Warren Mo- Morris, the Pirate second baseman rookie, also did it in 99. That we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Weird. So, well, and again, all around this time of year, uh, you know, you had guys like like the guy that I, I think we've all forgotten about. I don't even know if you know this player. So he played for the Giants, a shortstop for the Giants uh, mostly. I think he got traded later in his career. Um, and he in two thousand and one. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is and Barry Bonds is also on the Giants. So there's a little bit of having a guy like that in your lineup. You're going to maybe see more pitches to hit. And Rich Aurelia. Have you ever heard- I have heard of Rich Aurelia. I thought he was a better player than that, but was it really just that one season in 2001? Career war of 18 yeah. uh, in in 15 years. <sighs> so that that's not That's really- not good, especially when you're a one-season wonder because you probably put up more than one war that season. So he was a, an, a, an all-star only one time that season. He won the Silver Slugger one time that, that, season. that season. He had 206 hits that season, Pretty 37 good. home runs. 37, his highest ever um, was 23, other than that. 97 RBIs with a 941 ops. Oof. I mean, that's that's he got MVP votes, okay? And, and you just think, okay, this is this is it. Originally, the next year, he hit 257 with 15 homers. <laughs> and you're like, oh, a return to normal. <laughs> yeah, right. And so he, he obviously had this off-the-chart season um, and, and never was able to repeat it. Now, this is one that I feel like it's a little cheating because he did make another All-Star game in a different season in his career. So I feel like it's tough to have a guy – on this list that made all-star games in two different seasons. I, I, I had the same kind of problem with this. You're right. But right. but Esteban Luiza's 2003 season for the White Sox is unbelievable. Dude, with 21-9 and nine, with a 290 ERA and struck out 207 guys, led the majors in strikeouts. Yeah. Like, and he was just a pretty good pitcher over the other four. Now, there was one other season in his career where he did make the all-star team, but like to have that one season where you were literally probably the best pitcher in the, the American League that season. Right, right. 
And, and, and really, most people don't know who Esteban Luiza is. I didn't remember him until I started doing research for this. But this guy you do know because he only got out of baseball after the 2018 season. And I, I did not realize that he – and I know he was a pretty good player. And on the basis of this one season, I think he got the big contract. He played third base for the Padres. And in 2012, he played in 161 at 162 games. I know who it is. Who is it? Chase Headley. It is indeed Chase Hudley, Headley, who had 31 home runs that season – he never had more than 14 in any other year. Didn't he get the fat contract from the Yankees? Yeah. Uh, no, the Padres paid him, and then he got traded to the Yankees. Then he got traded to the Yankees. So he had I knew he ended up there. 115 RBIs, 17 steals. He had. He was fifth in the MVP. He won the gold glove, and he won the silver slugger. So you were looking at this guy as like an up-and-comer. Like the Padres fans were looking at him as like they look at Tatis right now. Right. He was the savior. But, but 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 by far, and he played twelve years in the major leagues. That season outpaced any season. Like and 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 he always thought he could get back to that level, and he just never really did as a hitter. So, this is a, somebody I didn't even know was a major league player. I had never heard of him before we started doing research for this, and that was twenty twelve All Star once again for the Chicago Cubs, Brian LaHare. Yeah, yeah. Well, because he had – I think he had two seasons. That's why I looked at him. He had two seasons where he kind of did okay. But he somehow managed to make the All-Star game okay. in 2012. Okay, right, 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 right. That's that's the thing because no one's ever heard of him for the most part. Because he totaled five homers in, in 16 RBI over his previous two seasons. So, you know, really breaking out there. But then he goes deep 16 times, drives in 40 while slugging 450 and gets named to the All-Star team and then – that also was his last season in the majors. <laughs> yeah, not, not quite, you know, the, the, the. So really what that tells me is I think the 2012 Cubs were really bad and they just needed somebody to go to the all-star game. <laughs> yeah. you know, every team had to have a representative. I think you might be right something. So here's a guy you may have heard of, but you might know him more as a, a manager because uh, he managed the world champion Blue Jays in the early 90s. You probably don't know if I don't get, tell you the name. Cito Clarence Gaston. I've heard the name before, but probably because he was the manager for those Blue Jays teams. So because I'm old, I remember Cito Gaston because he was an original San Diego Padre. I don't know why I remember this. Because he managed a couple teams, didn't Gaston? I, I, I just remember him managing the, the the Blue Jays for sure and winning two uh, you know, World Series championships. And I don't know if he managed someplace else. He may have. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, was was a career war, okay, and he got it in 11 seasons, so he got a pension um of zero minus 0. 0.8 Ooh. okay so so impressive ne- that he managed to get 11 seasons so but in 1970 which was the second year of the pirates existence cedo gaston plays 146 games hits 29 homers 93 rbis he bats 318 with a 907 ops he has mvp votes he's an all-star and his career average ends up being 256. He hits 91 homers for his entire career. So what do you think leads to guys having seasons like that? Well, they weren't juicing back in 1970. Right, exactly. So you know that wasn't it. So so what, what happened that year for I Gaston? I assume he hit ahead of Winfield <laughs> <laughs> in that lineup. Yeah. So that probably helped. That probably helped. helped. But that's – and I guess he, he just had that – you know, see, I don't know why a guy could go 318 with 29 homers one season. In 1971, he goes 228 
and hits seven. I, I, I would homes. love to look at wow. his like I would love to look at his batting average on balls in play for that season because yeah. maybe it was just one of those wacky seasons. Where everything found where a place. Everything found a place. That's like because you could you could I could see that happening. You have a super high batting average on balls in play, and you also just get a higher than average number of mistakes from pitchers. Like pitchers just throw bad pitches to you more often that season for whatever reason, maybe because you're batting in front of Winfield and that's how you have this unreal season that you really can never replicate again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, and speaking of replication, cause I, I know you have a Jersey of this player. Oh no. <laughs> I, this is one of my most favorite possessions because it's like something you can wear at city field and maybe like 15% of Met fans will know who this is referencing. They probably just think it's my name on the back of the Jersey. <laughs> so, you know, if you're a pitcher and you pitch, eight years in the majors and you have a career war of four you're just an average major league pitcher i would say at, at best you pitched eight years in the majors. you got eight seasons in the major leagues but in 2007 john main who the mets oh, that's my senior year in mets. high school okay, john main comes to the mets the year before and and he that's the year the mets choked in in the end yeah. of the season and yeah it was horrible um anyway they he goes 15 and 10 uh, pitches to a 391 and has by far the best season. It was like 191 innings, and you really thought this guy was going to be a because uh, because a lead pitcher. We were still operating back then when we were looking at pitchers by like oh like you know he's got all three he's got multiple pitches yep, yep. he can locate pretty well. And then it was just like so yeah he'll be a good pitcher. And it was like oh no what we moved into was do you have stuff? John Main did not have the stuff to dominate major league hitters. He had to pitch to them. And you, there's like maybe a handful of guys that can get away with just being pitchers in the, this era of baseball. Yeah. And, and unfortunately for Maine, that one season wasn't quite enough to have the Mets reward him with a fat contract. Now, well, a few times the Mets didn't do something right, like and that. Then, and then, then he went off to the giants, I believe afterwards. Uh, I think he came and he went to the, the Marlins actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. He really bounced around. Yeah. Then. yeah. So no, he pitched uh, you know, a few years for the Mets, but you had such hope that he was going to become a, a real, you thought he was going to be like one of their big lineup pitchers yeah. going forward. And he did, was, didn't work out nah. that way. We did miss another rookie of the year. And that would be 1994 Bob Hamlin of the oh, Kansas City Royals. Yeah. yeah. He had a hell of a season that year, as I recall. 24 homers, 65 RBIs, 282 average with an OPS of 987. It's pretty good. Well, keep in mind he had 67 career homers. <laughs> so he hit almost half of them in the in that now, one season. What's wild is he wins rookie of the year in 1994 for the Royals, and he is gone by 96. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, flame out. Flame out, complete flame out. He ends up in Detroit. He hits 18 homers in 97 for Detroit, but then he's out of baseball the next season. And and, and there's been guys in the, in the National League East that we've seen, uh, two guys that I think kind of qualify in the same way. One guy for the Phillies, Dominic Brown, all right? Uh, and it's D-O-M-O. I remember, like, like how do you – Dominic Brown, um, who, who came up with the Phillies and had a, uh, a pretty, you know, middling start to his career – but in 2013, uh, went out and hit 27 homers. I remember that. He had a 272. He was an all-star. And this wasn't his rookie year. So he had played a couple years in the major leagues. And Phil, I remember Philly fans being like, he's finally figured out his talent. Okay. And then he only played two more years in the major leagues. Ended up hitting 235 and 228 and had 15 home runs in his last two seasons combined and was out of baseball. 
I wonder, I honestly would love for these, these one season wonders, you know, I kind of regret not doing a, a looking into their, their, their batting average on those balls in play. Cause I bet for a lot of these guys, it's a great, it's a great point. I bet it's, I bet it's weird outlier seasons. And that's how you end up with this because then you have like guys that have the seasons where like the really good career hitter randomly hits, like he's a career 300 hitter. And then one year he hits 270. Right. And you can't figure out why. And then you look, you're like, oh, OK, wait a second. He just got supremely unlucky an entire season, which which which, which, which happens. Happen. My guys, I, th- I think that McNeil's having that kind of a year this year to a certain degree. Which is like I remember I forget who it was for the Mets, but I remember there was one year where it was like the dude just hit the ball hard every single time. And it was just right at somebody. Yeah, Got to listen to Wee Willie Keeler. Remember what he said? Hit him where they ain't. Hit him where they ain't. So in, in 2011, uh, this Washington National um, who had played six seven years in the major leagues right and had you know didn't really play that much uh before that so he had only played 98 games with washington in 2010 before that never more than 72 in his first six years so michael morse plays 146 games in 2011 bats 303 has 31 homers 95 rbis and gets mvp votes okay and and never for the rest of his career does Even approaches that right so he he kind of has an okay season the next year with 18 homers and um and a batting average of 291 with 62 rbis and then it's just a straight downhill for the most part for the rest of his career and he he played 13 years in the major leagues but that season just was so unlike any unlike other season any other season that he had. Like 330 home runs you don't do that like that's a good season so they, they, we also used to say that, and I don't know if it's really f- fair because he had a better career and you didn't see him pitch because he pitched for those 86 Mets and had that season in 86 where he went 18 and five. And that's Bobby Ojeda. Um, and, and Bobby Ojeda, who also had the uh, ignominy of cutting off the tip of his finger with a uh, hedge trimmer uh, when he was at home. Uh, like my fifth grade teacher. <laughs> Well, he did that with like those like dividers between the classroom in the middle of the day. So I, I get where he's coming from. So, but Bobby Ojeda had that season, and the, and the Mets needed every single win, and and really for the rest of his career. And he pitched fifteen years in the majors. Uh, never had a season where he was any better than thirteen and eleven or twelve and nine. Eighteen and five, two hundred and seventeen innings. Uh, he had you know just did everything to help the Mets and got was fourth in the Cy Young and got MVP votes that year. That's how good Bobby Ojeda's dead fish changeup was that particular season. So I got, I got one more. I, I got two more, actually. So the, I'm going to go to this guy. This was somebody I never saw play because he played before I was born and out of baseball before I was born. But he was had a pretty unbelievable season in 1976 for the Baltimore Orioles. It sounds like it looks like, you know. Yeah, uh, I think I know who this is. Wayne Garland. Wayne Garland, yes. Oh. 20 and 7. 267 ERA. And over 38 games and 25 starts. It's still like one of the better pitching seasons in major league history. Cleveland next season as a free agent gives him a 10 year deal worth $2.3 million. And he did lead the league in a category that season. And, and when Cleveland brought him in the next year, home runs, nope. Uh, 19 losses. Ooh. Yeah. He was out of baseball by uh, 82. So uh, and, that's and, a real Bobby Bonilla contract. And, and he got, hurt a lot right because he just you know he started 38 games uh in the season you mentioned 76 where he had the good season well, no he he played in 38 games he only started, started 25 because he started 38 games the next year for cleveland when he lost 19 games and everybody said oh he's pitched 282 innings in like <laughs> a two seasons this is a little <laughs> long no that season he oh. 282 innings oh god that's way too many and and that was it the next inning next season 29 innings 94 so probably arm problems yeah and and, and they kind of figured him out and they overthrew him who's your other guy 
another rookie of the year. Now, granted, he was he had a good 2008 season, but he really never approached that rookie campaign. At his Oakland Athletic shortstop, Bobby Crosby. Bobby Crosby, yeah. He it was a shame because he was a very good player and injuries really robbed him. And that was – the thing is like he hit 22 homers, 34 doubles. He never hit more than nine in another season. But it was just – he couldn't – because of those injuries, he was never able to be the player that he was in that rookie season. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, there, we, we could do a, a, an episode on injured players – Right on, on on guys that just never really were able to fulfill their potential because they just were hurt, but they had a few seasons that made you think, oh, if this guy didn't. I mean, there's even guys that did famer. fulfill their potential that might be a Hall of Famer that you could wonder, like, what if a guy like Carlos Beltran didn't deal with nagging injuries his whole career? Yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer anyway. Right, but that's what I'm saying. But that, that's what I'm saying about it. Like, even you have guys in the Hall of Fame there. Like, man, if he didn't have all those injuries, what would have he really been like? What if Griffey doesn't go to Cincinnati and fall off a cliff? Yeah, yeah, and let's let's hope Mike Trout can come back full strength and all that because you know his injury problems. In recent Honestly, seasons, so prob- Mike he's Tr- probably in anyway as well. Uh, if I'm Mike Trout, this is probably you probably lucked out by getting injured this season when Otani shows up because nobody's paying attention to the fact that you're not playing. Right, right, exactly. And, and so it makes it a lot easier to just focus on your rehab, not bringing him back. So the last guy I'll mention, and because we talk about Mets on this podcast all the time, of course, uh, had his distinction with the Mets, and and what makes him really not part of this group is. He did it kind of over two seasons, um, but even the one season. So, and the Mets win the World Series in '86. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he is on the team, but really doesn't pitch, you know, at all. He pitches six in six games. Yeah, and so he's not really part of the team. Six innings the whole year. But in 1987, when all the Mets pitchers got hurt, which is one of the reasons why they were unable to return to the playoffs that season, he goes 11 and one out of the bullpen. So he pitches in 44 games, but starts 12 of them, 131 innings. Uh, and that 11 and 1 record was like ridiculously, you know, like, like, how's a reliever go? And the next season, he goes 7 and 2. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he goes 18 and 3 over two seasons for the Mets. Uh, and, and at least in 88, they uh, ended up going to the, the playoffs and losing uh, to the Dodgers in the National League Championship Series. But he was 38 and 27 for his career, but 18 and 3 for those. Two seasons. Who is this? All right, Terry Leach. You never heard of Terry him. Leach. He had a, a sidearm slinging motion. Um, and again, another guy who got his pension pitching 11 major league seasons. But those two seasons sort of stand out. And, and really that one season when he was 11 and 1, which people said, wow, that's one of the best pitchers. And it was just sort of good fortune for a good hitting team. And he was in the games at the right time for the most part. So I'm going to bring up one more guy because he was a teammate of Terry's. And it's like, I want to bring up, is he a one-season wonder? Not because the rest of his career was bad, but because that one season was so above anything anybody had seen that it's tough for him to ever reach that level again. And that's Doc. The 1985 Dyke Gooden season. Yeah. Where he goes 24-4 and four with a 153 RER. He never even, like, he never even approached, like, that, oh, I, I know, this is this is a yeah, bit unfair, but yeah. it's interesting to think about, like, would you ever classify him, because that one season was just so otherworldly? Yeah, I see your point. I see your point. Right, right. But I guess uh, the insinuation is that the guy wasn't, wasn't good. good. No, and season. Doc was good. He just wasn't that, that good. good. Yeah. Just like had DeGrom. 
finish this season this, this season. DeGrom, it might have looked compared to even other DeGrom, DeGrom seasons. Yeah. Other Except DeGrom had like a couple Cy Youngs in his back pocket right, besides right. that. So you can't but really do it, that. I didn't really, he threw 16 complete games that season. Eight shutouts. When it wasn't happening as much, I think that's that's the thing. You know, it, 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 even then, complete games had already become a commodity. What was it like watching that season? Um, was it just, was it like this season with DeGrom yeah. where it was just every five yeah. days it was yeah. quite good net? And, and, and it's just every pitch the guy threw, right? He really threw uh, three pitches, but two primarily. He had his fastball and his curveball, of course. Uncle Charlie. Uncle Charlie, uh, or as Tim McCarver would call it when he really threw a good one, Lord Charles. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that good a curveball. So that's kind of DeGrom-like in terms of the way. Of just like. You the could not was hit so him. good, and he could just you know. I'm going to throw the high fastball. It's going to come right now. Here you go. And the batter knew it was coming. Couldn't hit it. <laughs> that's that's got to be the best feeling so, in the world yeah, as a pitcher. Such a dominant dominant pitcher, but no, he would never not, not in this would category. Never, never classify that the same way you wouldn't classify Bonds as a one season wonder for hitting 73 home runs that one season. And, and I don't know. I guess Michael Morse and and Dominic. Brown are the two more recent guys, right? But they're a while ago now. It's almost there haven't been a lot of. I wonder if scouting's better and it's easier to sort of see the holes in the guy. Forget about injuries, right? Right. It's a whole different thing. I think also scouting is better, and you're unlikely to have guys that undiscovered talent like that. Yeah, yeah. The only way you're probably going to get them are rookies that have an unbelievable rookie season and then either get hurt. Or there was some flaw that nobody had noticed. We talked about it in our uh, Silver Sluggers. Uh, I think the the movie The Scout. Yeah. You know, so you know, always looking for Kong, like yeah. that player who you just you know you discover. It's really hard to do that today because it's like once you find your Kong, it doesn't matter. Everybody believe you can find another. So they also know what you can't do mm-hmm. as well. And and then you look at it, and we kind of talked about this previously with the teams looking. You got guys looking at iPads, breaking down swings in between innings. If you have a hole in your swing, you're not going to get a half season anymore. You're going to get maybe a couple weeks. Yeah, you're going to be playing in AAA before too long. Real quick. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at AlmostCoop.